you're close to the broken-hearted Lord. You're near when my life falls apart. In the early 2000s, I became increasingly intrigued by the biblical theme of simplicity. It began much earlier than that, probably way back to my fascination with hippie lifestyle in my teens. Then in the 80s, I read The Celebration of Discipline by the Quaker writer Richard Foster. Uh, His chapter on simplicity called to something inside me. And then several years later, he wrote an entire book on the subject called The Freedom of Simplicity. I was pretty stoked to see that simplicity wasn't just for hippies and monastics and that a value I had carried since my youth was a, it was a biblical value and one that could be and even should be cultivated in my life. By 2005 or so, I, I couldn't hold it in any longer. And after doing a study in scripture, I gave a series of messages on simplicity to our church. I can't say that it was particularly well-received by our predominantly white, middle-class church. In fact, I got a fair amount of pushback on some of those teachings. I can't blame my friends in those days. Our culture has so consumed us with consumption and made our Christianity more complicated than it ever was meant to be. I think the church has been sort of hijacked by it and become more and more about the American dream than about God's dream. Though I have those recordings, uh, those teachings recorded, I chose to do these at the kitchen table for two reasons. One is uh, because in keeping with the simplicity in, in the church, I was doing most of those teachings in those days with people around tables, and I would teach a little bit, and then there would be some interaction, and so the recordings are so broken up with those interactive times there they're pretty hard to follow, so I, I needed to redo them. And uh, secondly, I'm doing this at the kitchen table and redoing it because I've learned and experienced much more since then. It's now 2015. Speaking of which, when I first embarked on this study, I had no idea that I was about to have an opportunity to experiment with simplicity in my own life experiment isn't exactly the right term it that would denote more of a conscious and temporary foray into some activity like simplicity but this is more like an an experience you know when seven years ago I lost most of what I had my marriage my ministry which was my job my health my health insurance and then later lost almost all the money I had in the world. And and I'm not compi- complaining or whining about it, I, nor am I fishing for anybody's sympathy because really I'm doing quite well and enjoy the very full life I have these days. Though in many ways my life is harder, it's also simpler. And simpler isn't the same as easier. In fact, I'm going to unpack that as time goes on in this message and in some future uh, podcasts on simplicity. But the point is, even if simplicity weren't a value of mine, I'd have to learn to value it with what I have to work with these days. Richard Rohr said, the only way you know that you're in love with God or 
in love with your own self-image is whether or not you go outside your comfort zone. Well, I, I'm out of mine, my comfort zone for sure. Some days I can't even remember where that zone is or how to reach it. Well, sometimes life just has this way of giving us opportunities to cultivate qualities that we weren't even aware that we needed to cultivate. But that's what makes it such an adventure. So it is a biblical value, this concept of simplicity, not just for hippies and monastics. Let me just read a few passages to you. Ecclesiastes 7.29, this is in the Jerusalem translation, Jerusalem Bible translation. God made man simple. Man's complex problems are of his own devising. Matthew 18.3 says, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Become like little children, simple. The next verse says, therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Micah 6.8, I like how he boils it down. He says, he showed you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with God. I like the simplicity of boiling it all down to those three things. Of course, Jesus boiled them down to love God and love people. Philippians 3.13 says, Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining what is uh, toward what is ahead. So one thing I do. Galatians 5.6, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. So religion or lack thereof. But the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. It's the only thing that counts. I like the simplicity of that, boiling it down. David said, one thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. One thing. I'm only asking him for one thing. You know, Emerson said, to be simple is to be great. Twain said, civilization is a limitless multiplication of unnecessary necessities. That's pretty great. That's vintage Mark Twain. But our modern lives are so cluttered and complicated and are anything but simple. And we're just overdosing on options, I think, these days. And, and, and as a result, we have this kind of approach avoidance complex. We're kind of in between like the, the old uh, image of the horse or the mule in between two bales of hay. You can't decide which one to go to. And it, I mean, I think it's, con- it's contributed at the very least to the, the uh, proliferation of uh, ADD in our culture. There's just too much stimulus, too many choices. We, if you come from a, like a rural background uh, or in a, from a developing country and you go to a Safeway here in the United States, I mean, just, there's just too many channel, too many choices. And it, it, we thought that those choices would make our lives better, but I don't think it necessarily has turned out that way. So we have this, you know, information overload. I mean, 500 cable channels and information about everything under the sun and on the internet, constantly connected to iPhones, iPads, iPods, 
always kind of communicating, but seldom connecting. We got to know something about everything, and it's just at our fingertips all the time. And then those of us that live in cities and deal with rush hour, and but then the other 23 hours are just as much of a rush as well. We're rushing to get places we don't even want to go to make more money to spend on things we don't even need. So what's, what's complicating or cluttering your life more than is necessary? We live in a modern world, and at least in our developed nation, we, we can't entirely escape it. I mean, this isn't Kansas Toto, but like the frog in the kettle of gradually heating water, we've, we've kind of arrived at a place in which, you know, the most important things in life are being squeezed out in, in favor of a fever pace and kind of this chaotic existence that we live in. Where, I mean, where is there room for what is eternally important? In 1967, a guy named Charles Hummel coined the phrase, the tyranny of the urgent. And interestingly enough, he blamed the telephone. Keep in mind, the telephone is in his day in, in 1967 was, you know, on the wall with... If you, you know, if you had enough money, you might have an extra long cord on your telephone. But he blamed the telephone as the greatest enemy of peace in 1967. The urgent isn't the only tyrannical force in our much more modern world than it was in 1967. I was in seventh grade then, by the way. See, it's not just busyness that steals the simple life of Christians. It's also our lust for more and more stuff and more and more money to buy stuff. And it's also about how we've made the simple way of Jesus into a complex religion, you know, with our theology. And, and you know, I'm pretty sure that Paul wouldn't even understand some of the books that have been written about his theology. I mean, don't get me started then about our Western church model with what I call the killer bees assaulting the the health of the church, buildings, budgets, and bureaucracies. The church is anything but simple. But fortunately, there are a lot of voices calling us to simplify the church and our lives. And I'm, I'm in pretty much agreement with those voices, and I want to add mine to theirs. This is just an introduction, a primer, so to speak, on the topic of simplicity. I, I intend to share some particular aspects of the topic in future co- uh, podcasts. But in this one, let's talk about why we need simplicity, what is simplicity, what it isn't, and how do we get it. So what is simplicity? Just by way of kind of outline, the first thing I'd say is it's knowing that the goal is to know and love God and people. You got to know what Jesus said uh, when asked, you know, how do I enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, might, and strength, and your neighbor is yourself. I mean, he boiled it down to those two things. All you need is love. I'm not sure that the Beatles knew what they were actually singing, but that's what we need is love. And we have to know that. To me, those two things, love God, love people, is a great filter through which to view everything. And and then how does this 
affect our expenditure of of money and time and energy uh how does how does that priority reflect on those activities and uh how can we give glory to god and live also for the good of people that's kind of a moniker of mine a mantra of mine the glory of god and the good of people we got to know what the goal is the main goal what's the target what's the bullseye love god and love people it starts there simplicity you got to it has to start there secondly i'd say that it's taking the most direct route to that goal the least circuitous route to loving God and loving people, to the glory of God and the good of people. It's not wasting a bunch of time and energy on what doesn't matter. I think we have to simply head toward the goal, you know? And we'll talk about more uh, that more when we talk about what I call simple church. But it's the most direct route to the kingdom advance, to the advance of the righteous rulership of Jesus. And a lot of what we do in our lives and a lot of what we do in the church just isn't direct. It's, it's so circuitous. We create this program and this theology and this idea and we spend money on this and we build that building, which we hope has a kind of an indirect uh, impact on the advance of the kingdom. Thirdly, I'd say, uh, simplicity, it's, it's an unpretentious avoidance of unnecessary extravagance. That's a little bit of a mouthful, I know, but it's an unpretentious avoidance of unnecessary extravagance. I mean, we get so obsessed with status and how did Jesus come? He's saying he came so simply born in a barn revealed to shepherds, poor shepherds, to simple parents. And it's just just so weird to me how we have taken that simple story and made complex theories about it and that only the professionals can help uh, help us sort out, you know. And there are denominations and, and movements and churches that, you know, have split over some of the the minutia in in how we really involve ourselves in the kingdom of God. So I think simplicity is an unpretentious avoidance of unnecessary extravagance and not become extravagant in our ideas as well as in our uh, expenditure. I think it's also the opposite of duplicity. Duplicity is is being double-minded. It's saying one thing, and doing another. It's it's the same as hypocrisy. It's being two-faced. Simplicity is much simpler uh, because you can you can just have one face. So it's it's kind of like with lying. It, it's a lot simpler to just tell the truth because you don't have to remember what you said. Well, simplicity is like that. We just have one face. And contradictions lead to confusion. Simplicity is a freedom from duplicity and duplicity is a bondage so simplicity sets us free and the next i would say that simplicity it's having a center and revolving everything around that center a reference point it simplifies life to have a center to have a hub you know try to have two hubs on a wheel uh it won't roll right So when Paul said, to me, to live is Christ. 
But like a wheel with two hubs, it's, it's harder to roll right. To me to live is what? Money. To me to live is influence. To me to live is family. To me to live is health. Or is it one thing? It's having a center. It simplifies to have a center. Other things then can live and exist in that orbit around that center, but submitted to that center, that reference point. I'd say simplicity is a refusal to be mesmerized by media. Now, this might not be something that somebody would have said 200 years ago, but today the media is so pervasive and so ubiquitous and so influential. Um, I mean, somebody said USA stands for the United States of Advertising. You know, the media, I'd have to say, sometimes doesn't tell the truth. You might not have known that, but with the possible exception of the internet, of course. No, but we've, you know, we just have to know the latest and the greatest. And, and, uh, what do these ads imply? By the way, my friend, Tim Otto says, these ads imply the constant message. You're deficient. The collective message that these advertisers send us is your clothes are dirty and out of fashion. Your hair isn't sexy or silky or shiny enough. Your car is slow. Your chest is too small and your tummy is too large. Your teeth are yellow and your complexion needs work. You're not attractive enough. You're stressed and disconnected. You're missing out. And then, of course, come and buy our product. And then... Simplicity is resisting an accumulation addiction. That is, you know, one of the things that we learn from the media that we have to have more stuff to be happy, right? And we have more stuff than we realize we have. And I can prove that to you. Next time you move, you're going to discover in your basement, in your attic, and under your bed, and in your closet stuff that you couldn't even remember buying, let alone ever using. We've really already got too much stuff, too much clutter. And uh, if you have to have a garage sale every year to clear out your closet, that, that should be your first clue that you've got too much stuff. I have a friend who came from El Salvador and his main goal when he got here, uh, when in coming here, was so that he would be wealthy enough to own two pairs of pants. Now, I don't know how many pairs of pants Ricardo has now, but, but wow, two pairs of pants compared to closets full and boxes full. And in some cases, many storage closets full of stuff. And then lastly, and there's many more things that we'll talk about in future podcasts, but it's being simplicity is being more generous with the poor. I mean, it, it, it makes sense, right, that the natural consequence of being unaddicted to the media and less consumerish is to have more, to give more. And, you know, Paul said, you know, don't steal, but work with your hands so that you'll have to give to him that needs. And I'm going to talk considerably about simplicity and stuff in a future message. Let me, let me talk about what simplicity isn't. What isn't simplicity? Well, it isn't the same as simplistic. It's not the oversimplification of complex issues. It's not trying to boil things down 
beyond what they're boilable. It's it's not refusing to use deductive reasoning or or trying to dumb down the world. Proverbs talks about the dumb person, but he calls him the simple person, yeah? As a synonym for somebody who doesn't think or even want to take the effort to think. That's simplistic. That's the simplistic person. Solomon says, I saw among the simple, I noticed among the young men, a youth who had no sense, kind of a simpleton, somebody who doesn't think, at least not for themselves. And that's not the same as the desirable quality of simplicity. The, the simple in simplicity is the kind of thinking that finds the center, that finds the bottom line, the simple behind the complex. So simplicity isn't the same as simplistic. And secondly, simplicity isn't the same as easy. A lot of times we say, well, that's simple, and we mean that's easy to do. That's not what simplicity, the kind of simplicity that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about let's try to make life easier. In fact, it's not easy to be simple in a complicated world because we're swimming upstream against the toxic culture that has complicated our world. I think because our world is what it is, it's harder to be simple. It takes more effort to be simple than to go with the current of complexity. So it's not the same as easy. And then thirdly, it, it isn't just an outward thing. See, this is where some people might uh, make the mistake of just creating an outward show of simplicity or try to impose it from the outside. They make rules for simplicity. Like, like any other biblical value, it has to be from the inside out. You try to do this from the outside in, and it becomes more of a legalistic kind of show. It's more about how you look to other people. It, it's, it's not about being, being simple, but acting simple. And so, you, you know, you get it from a great, majestic, awesome, yet simple Savior who works from the inside out. It, not I, but Christ who lives in me. It's an inward thing, not an outward thing. And then, and then lastly, let me just talk a little bit about where do I begin to simplify? Okay, so how do I begin this process? In this primer, we're just talking about some beginning ideas and steps, assuming that you, you want to simplify. And in keeping with the priority of simplification, I just have two things to say. First of all, be more selective and prioritize. That's the first thing. Be more selective. Boil things down to what's important to God. What is it? It's simple. What what matters? What matters to God should matter to me. And if I can prioritize based on that sort of boiling down, that selectivity, somebody said simplicity is arranging your life around a few consistent purposes and explicitly excluding what is not necessary. I heard this exercise proposed one time. I don't know that I, I'm, I'm sure that actually that I have not done this, but they, they said, what if we wrote down everything we did for a month, everything 
this would take a lot of time. So you could do this for a day, I suppose, or a half a day. But what if we wrote down everything we did for a month and ranked every activity in uh, numbers of one through five? Ones would be the absolutely essential things. The twos would be helpful, but not necessary. The threes would be important, but not essential. The fours would be trivial, but not evil. And the fives would be wrong, evil, sinful, immoral. I just wonder what kind of score we'd get at the end of the month between the absolutely essential all the way down to the evil. I think what I'm saying is we should care about what God cares about, what matters to God, what actually counts from his vantage point. I'm saying we should be selective and prioritize how we spend our money, how we spend our time, how we use our energy. In fact, when I say spend your money or your time or your energy, I I, I really mean invest. I think there's too much spending of money and time and we should invest our money and time and talent. Mark Scandrett's definition of simplicity is choosing to leverage time, money, talents, and possessions toward what matters most. That's a great definition. So when you think of investing your time, your money, your gifts, you're not thinking about yourself. You're thinking about the glory of God and the good of others. Because God gave you those things, time, talent, treasure, and he expects you to use them to help other people. So serendipitously, you'll be benefited in your own life if you simplify things down to investing in that, in that way, being selective and prioritizing how you invest your life. And then the second and last thing I'll say about how we can begin to simplify, and that is to choose to have a simple and intimate relationship with Jesus. Religion and simple, they're not synonyms. Religion uh, can be very complicated, frankly. Rules can just complicate your life. And just going through the motions is kind of, it's hard to keep track of what you're supposed to do. What am I supposed to do today? How can I impress God and people today? But relationship is simple. It's more person to person between us and God. It's more of a friendship between us and God. And I'm not saying that relationships are easy again. They're, they can be simple. See, what's going on here in this world, in this universe that God put us in here, is he's looking for friendship between us and him. And it's, it's, I'm not saying that's an easy thing to cultivate because of our sinfulness, but it's as simple and as straightforward and as direct as that. So if we kind of raise, you've heard of the old adage to raise your standard of giving uh, more than your standard of living. Well, I'm saying raise your standard of loving more than your standard of living. Okay, let me just recommend uh, a couple of books, three books here that might get you started in thinking about this if you're interested in pursuing it a little bit further. Richard Foster's books. The Celebration of Discipline, I mentioned before, and The Freedom of Simplicity are fabulous books. 
Christian, all these are written by followers of Jesus. A friend of mine, Mark Scandrett, here in the city, wrote a beautiful book just a few years ago called Free, Spending Your Time and Money on What Matters Most. Spending Your Time and Money on What Matters Most. And then there's another book that I could recommend is Simpler Living, Compassionate Life. Simpler Living, Compassionate Life. And it's written by several authors. If you look up the title, you'll, you'll find it. So I'll just ask you four questions here. How, how simple is your life? From one to a hundred, one would be the simplest, a hundred would be the, the least simple. How simple is your life on a scale of one to a hundred? Secondly, what specifically in your life needs to be simpler? What's specifically in your life needs to be simpler. Thirdly, how simple is your relationship with God? How simple is your relationship, this friendship with God? And lastly, how simply do you relate to other people or even to yourself? Are you a complicated person? Are you a person that is that requires a lot of maintenance? Are you high maintenance because of your relationships with people seem to always break down? Or how simply do you relate to other people and to yourself? So there's my introduction to simplicity.